Well, it's kind of unusual uh, for a pastor not to preach at some point on, uh, when it's New Year, on resolutions. You know, that, that season of our lives when we move from an old year to a new year and we go through this process for however long it might be of thinking of all the things that we must stop doing and that we must start doing. And so we make these resolutions. You may have tried to do so already. Start up habits that we think will help us and benefit us. Patterns for our own good. You know, if, we can, if we can get them established at the beginning of the year, then somehow they will wonderfully transform what happens next if we can keep the pattern and the habit going. And we often do them or, or think of them in terms of our own health and well-being. Uh, you know, what we eat, what we drink, how we exercise, will we go to the gym or whatever uh, your medicine might be for all of that kind of thing. And so we make resolutions. And we often make them around our well-being and our health. And I've been thinking, what would that look like if we were to focus for a little bit at the beginning of this year? What would that look like if we asked the question, if I were to make resolutions or commitments, and if I was to do something about my own health and well-being, what would it look like if I did that through the lens of our walk and our pursuit with God? What are some of the things that I might want once again to embrace in my walk and my pursuit of God so that I might become stronger in my well-being with Him, in my walk with Him, in my faith, in my spiritual vitality, in my connection with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that I might grow stronger and while I'm, I'm not a great resolutions person at the beginning of the year, I'm kind of thinking if I, if I can only manage to do something decent for the first week of January, which is about as long as it lasts for for me, you know, there's something wrong. But something about making a commitment even to put something new into our place that will help us in our walk and our pursuit of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 25 to 27. The words aren't on the screen, but just... Uh, let me read them to you. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. That that image, that picture of an athlete who must make commitments to certain things because it will be for their strengthening. It'll be for their strengthening for what they're about to do, for their journey they're about to undertake. And as we begin a new year, I wanted to invite us to spend a few weeks thinking about how we grow and strengthen our lives in Jesus. How do we encourage ourselves in him? What patterns and postures, what healthy habits draw us closer to him? And the call for us to learn to feed ourselves. To feed ourselves in our walk of faith. And that, that phrase, to feed ourselves, 
is really where we're going to focus for the next four weeks. To feed ourselves. I, I love the joy of worshiping together. I, I love the joy of learning together, whether it's like this or whether it's in small groups, that, that collective community gathering where I think we are inspired together and encouraged and it strengthens us and we grow. But what happens in the in-between times? Is it just that you know we get a little bit of a fix on a Sunday and then we wait for the next Sunday to get a little bit more? Or are there things during the week in which we must take responsibility individually for ensuring our in our lives for our strengthening? And I've been thinking a lot over uh, Christmas and New Year about the fact that we live in a, a world, in a culture, particularly in these seasons, that is very secular. And so what does it mean for us to be the people of God, the church, in an increasingly secular age? Because it's not easy. There's a lot of influences around. There's a lot of barriers, a fair bit of opposition. Sometimes there's even a, a, aggression towards us. And that takes its toll. And so we need to be a strengthened body of Christ, a strengthened church, a strengthened group of followers of Jesus. And that requires us to be strengthened collectively, but also for us to strengthen ourselves personally. To do as Paul is suggesting, which is to put in place things that will strengthen us, that will be for our good in an increasingly secular world. And so over the next four weeks, we're just going to look at four things that will not be a surprise to you. Four areas in which I think God invites us to enter so that we might strengthen and feed ourselves as well as the blessing of the feeding that we find together. And this morning, we're going to start with food, with bread, the Bible, the Word of God. In, in Matthew's uh, Gospel, Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, Jesus draws on the ancient scripture from Deuteronomy 8, 3. Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. That in some way, what God has spoken, what has come from the mouth of God is we need that more even than the bread that sustains us physically. There's something about the word of God, the bread of the Bible, that is significant for our strengthening. It's where we find our spiritual food on which we must feed ourselves to live and grow in the Lord. And I want us to uh, turn to Psalm 1 uh, for this this morning. We're going to spend a little bit of time in the Psalms this morning, but uh, the words will be in the screen. Let's read through Psalm 1 together. Really inviting us to enter into the blessing of the word. Blessed, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight, I'm going to use that word delight an awful lot this morning, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. 
that person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Now, we will read to the end of the psalm here, but that's not a bad picture of how we would like our lives to be in this increasingly secular world. That we would be like a person, a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prosper. That's a picture of strength. A people renewed, living out of that blessing and delight in God and in his word. I think that's, that's the end, that's the result that we look for. And the psalmist is saying, well, well, you find that and that blessing as we delight in and meditate on the law of the Lord, the word of God, what God has spoken. Then it goes on, verse four, not so the wicked they are like chaff that the wind blows away and even as Karen was praying just as we worshiped together that sense of Lord let let fire come upon my life that all the rubbish stuff that we accumulate whether intentionally or unintentionally Lord come and burn that up that the wind blows away the chaff that the wind blows away therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous for the Lord watches over the way of the righteous but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. And for us to live in that way of the righteous as it's, it comes to us by what God speaks, the word of God, the word of life, the bread. We shall not live by bread alone, but that which comes from the mouth of God. And what I love about this psalm is that it draws on the joy of the word the delight in the law of the Lord. And I'm just aware that both as a preacher, but also as a, a listener, that so often we talk about Bible and Bible reading. What we do is we present it as a necessary chore, a, a, a laborious task, you know, just something that you have to get on with doing. It ought to be done and once you've done it, you can tick it off your kind of spiritual checklist. And it becomes mechanical and functional. But the psalmist begins and he says, no, this is delight. It is delighting in the law of the Lord. Oh, that's a much better starting point. And it's right at the beginning of the Psalms. That actually the context of our entry into the word of God and, and our eating our are encouraging ourselves, are strengthening ourselves in the word of the Lord, is delight. Well, that's a much better place rather than just, oh, I've got to get this done. Said I was going to sign up to Tom's suggestion that we should read the Bible in one year together. And apparently to approach the word of God, to delight in it. That, that's a completely different posture, a completely different perspective. It creates an expectation that there's something to delight in as we come to the word of God. And so this very first psalm celebrates the life and joy and vitality of the word of God, and it is life and joy. There's vitality in it for our lives. So the psalmist talks about blessing rather than the burden of the law. Blessed are those who delight in it. Delight over duty. 
refreshing over responsibility. Just got to get it done. In verse 1 and 2, it invites us to change the company we keep by entering the Word of God. Do you know that you change the company you keep when you enter into reading the Word of God? Samus begins to talk about Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. And um, sometimes that's the easy place actually for us to sit and be and just exist in. But whose delight is in the Lord. There's a change of the company we keep when we enter into the word of God. What company do we begin to keep as we enter the scriptures, as we take time to read the scriptures, well, what we're doing in those moments, we're choosing to sit in the company of both the Lord and the centuries of the Lord's followers who've been seeking him. We change the company we keep when we choose to open the scriptures and enter them and read them and delight in them. And we need good company the company of the Lord and the company of the centuries of those who've sought to walk with him and love him and obey him with all their struggles and sorrows as well as with all their victories and their celebrations. Different company. What am I putting myself in the way of? What do I fill my life with? What do I give my time to? What am I filling my heart with? What am I filling my mind with? What do I feed my soul with? What company do I need to start keeping? If I were to review my daily patterns and rhythms of life, my weekly patterns, what would they reveal about the things that I delight in or meditate on? or the company I keep or give myself to? What am I truly delighting in? Because the scriptures say, blessed are the ones who regularly change company to delight in the law of the Lord, the word of God, the scriptures, where we share different company for a while. And we find such joy and beauty and delight within the word. Such power and strength and encouragement that can be found there. Such nourishment and sustenance and life. That's what's held within the word of God. And when we enter it, we begin to sit in the company of the Lord. And the company of the Lord's people through the generations. Why is that? It's an interesting way that, that the psalmist puts it to move from one company to another and there to find blessing and delight as we meditate on the word of God. Why? What is it we find in the Bible? What is it we're looking for? What will we discover there that is so essential to the strengthening of our lives from day to day? Well, at the heart of the Bible... It reveals God. It reveals Jesus. It, it doesn't just reveal some, reveal some thoughts or 
some things or some rules. It is the revelation of God revealed through Christ by the Holy Spirit. And people wondering, what is God like and where is God? And the Bible reveals Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to us. His love, his character, his nature, his faithfulness, his mercy, his grace, his power, his purposes. For those of you who have um, spent time in the word of God, you'll have, you'll recognize one of those moments when you're in the scripture and suddenly you find yourself simply presented by God revealing himself to you. What? Wow. That, that's quite something, do you not think? That God would reveal his very self to us as we read the word of God. It reveals God to us. It reveals God's ways to us. His good, pleasing, and perfect ways. Ways that are for our good and for our blessing. There are times where in the word of God, we, we are looking, we're longing for God to show us his ways. We need to know the ways of the Lord that are good and perfect and pleasing. It's all held within there. Oh, what does God want? I wonder what God wants. Oh, well, maybe next week I'll find out. I wonder what God wants. And what God wants in his ways, we find and delight in as we begin to enter the place of Scripture. And regularly so. Delighting in it. Expecting, anticipating it reveals God to us. It reveals God's ways to us. It reveals God's wisdom for us. You know, honestly, and in this increasingly secular world, not everything is good for us. Not everything is beneficial for us. And applying our own wisdom isn't necessarily the only answer or even the best answer because our wisdom is flawed at best tainted by our own selfish desires. But, but the word of God reveals God's wisdom. When we're trying to discern in this complicated world that we're in, it's not straightforward often. And I long for the wisdom of God to help me discern his wisdom so that we know how to respond and how to live, what to let go of, what to pick up, because not everything is good for us. It, it reveals God to us. It reads, reveals God's ways, God's wisdom, and it reveals God's voice to us. We long for God to speak. Now, God speaks in all kinds of ways, but particularly through the Scripture is where we find the voice of God, what He has to say, the truth He has to share in the face of of the distortions and lies that we often face or even hold or battle with in our own lives and in the world around us. The Word of God reveals the voice of God, God's truth. And there's delight in all of this. This is good. This is a good thing. I hope you realize this is a good thing. Entering the Word of God seeing it as our bread, our sustenance, our delight in it, our raised expectation. Because the word is good, there's delight in the word because it reveals the Lord. Or better, the Lord reveals himself to us there. We meet God in the word. 
allowing him to speak and minister to us. It's not just an informational thing, it's a revelation thing. God meets us in his word. We meet God there and allow him to speak and minister to us. It's an internal thing, a heart thing, a spirit thing, not just a head thing. And in exploring and reading and meditating and delighting in the word of God, we then meet God there in that moment. God meets us in the moment. And as he speaks to us and begins to minister to us, he restores us. In that place of the scriptures, he refreshes our soul renews our mind, can rekindle your heart, can revive your spirit, can redirect your path. He can even recharge your body. I don't know if you've noticed this, but our pace must change when we pause to enter the word of God. It's even the place where our bodies can be recharged as we meet with God in the scriptures and as he strengthens us in that place. Let me read from Psalm 19, uh, from verse 7 in Psalm 19. I think the words are on the screen. We're going to read from verse 7, if that's all right, Callum. The law of the Lord is perfect. And then here, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. That this word of God refreshes the soul, makes the wise simple, gives joy to the heart, gives light to the eyes. Delighting changes our perspective on this word of God and its vitality, the expectation of what it will bring and do within us and that it presents us with a moment to meet with the living God and allow him to minister the truth of his word into our lives. I want to encourage that sense of delight and expectation. And then it talks about 
Those who delight in the law of the Lord and who meditate on this law day and night will be blessed. That word meditation, what do we mean by meditation? Now the Hebrew word that we have here is hagar, and it can be understood and translated in a few different ways, but particularly we find it translated into English in either study or reflect, ponder, something along these lines. Now, I, I don't always do this. I don't often do this. In fact, you know, kind of try and get all my points with the same letter or something like that, you know, but I'm going to try and do it just now. We got a game for Christmas. Uh, no, we didn't get a game. Somebody brought a game at Christmas and we played a game. And it's called, What Do You Meme? Not what do you mean, but what do you mean? Now, I am I'm not particularly uh, um, eloquent in social media language. I was a bit nervous about this game because I, I don't really know what a meme is. And uh, apparently I see them all the time, but I didn't know it was a meme. And uh, uh, so this game was brought to our house. And the idea is you're, you're given a picture of something and then everybody has these cards with statements on them. And what you have to do is come up with the best comment on that picture, you know, a funny comment or something. And whoever Whoever offers the best comment to it, the most funniest comment, they, they win and they get a point or something like that. It was a great game, actually. And I didn't have to know what memes were at all. But, but it was this idea of having a picture presented and then offering the best comment on that picture. I think in some ways in our life, every day we are presented with realities and pictures of life and we're wondering where will we find the best comment on how to respond, on what to say, on what to think. Prevented with, prevented with a situation where we need commentary. And so when we think about meditating on the word of God, I've come up with a meme. That is something that begins with M, something that begins with E, something that begins with M, something that begins with E. That I think is hinted at, if not in fact, it's quite explicit in the passage here. Meditation, what does that mean? What does that mean? The first one is, is to study. So I want to think about this. I want to create the picture of mining. You know, somebody at the, at the coal face mining, try, trying to get the, the coal out, the fuel out, or perhaps in, in, in a mine where they're trying to c carve out a gem. And there's something about meditating, that study of meditation that requires that in the coal face looking, mining for the gems of truth, that commentary on the picture of life that we're facing just now. That's part of meditation. Mining the word of God so that we can extract the gems of truth. M-E, mining and extracting. At the coal face, Seeking, pursuing with intention the truth of God, the commentary of God on the picture that is right in front of us. That's the intentional study, the searching, the pursuing of the word of God for what we need from day to day, the truth we need, the perspective we need, the guidance we need. Psalm 119, verse 105, it's the longest psalm in the Bible, I see Ian White is with us this morning. Did you ever write a song in a Psalm 119, the whole lot? Oh, wow. That's a long song, brother. 
But in Psalm 190, I encourage you, start to read through that section by section. Google Ian White's song on it. Listen to it. There's a whole generation of people know the Psalms because we're singing Ian's songs. But when you go to verse 105, it says, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. It, it, it gives light on the paths that we're walking in and the pictures that we are facing. But we need to mine to extract the gems. It's a good thing. There's gems in there in which God wants you to delight in, but we've got to mine. And that takes time and work. But it's so important for us to mine so that we can extract. So when I'm faced with a, a question in life or a decision or a choice, what do I or who do I consult with? And my, my favorite, one of my favorite questions is, what does Scripture have to say about this? And then I go mining. I intentionally mine to find out what does Scripture have to say about this situation, this question, this decision, this choice. I mine the Scriptures. And it's hard work, but it's worth the effort because there's delight in there. It's strengthening. It'll help you develop deep roots. You'll find streams of water there. You'll find gems. And it's fruitful. It will bear fruit in your life. And I take hold of that gem as I mine the scriptures and I hide it in my heart. Psalm 119 verse 11. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And there's something about mining the word of God and finding its gems and then hiding it in our heart. There's a whole work in that that then impresses it deep within so that we can draw on it again and again and again. And because of that, we grow stronger. You know, when I think about the instruction of the word of God, the ways in which it's shaped my life and strengthened me, you go to Matthew's gospel in the Sermon of the Mount and I found the word of God have been like gems to me. For instance, not judging and forgiving brings energy to my life. But judging and not forgiving will steal your energy. Man, the amount of energy it takes to hold judgment and not release forgiveness, that's exhausting. Absolutely exhausting. But the word of God has a gem. Don't judge and forgive. Now, I know that's not always easy. But my goodness, it's a word that I've had in my heart that brings me strength from day to day. And so we've got to mine the word of God so we can extract the gems that will be transformational in our life, strengthening us, bringing delight to us. So that's the study part, mine and extract. The second way that we translate this Hebrew word is to ponder the word of God. And I've gone with the word muse musing, pondering, reflecting, sit, thinking, sitting with it for a moment. 
musing and pondering over it, allowing it to do something. Yeah, it's like sticking a tea bag and just letting it sit there till all of its aromas and all of its taste begins to filter the water. Or for those of us who are coffee drinkers, just letting the water filter through that coffee to get its real taste takes time. And that musing, that pondering means we not even, it's not just that we understand the word, but we begin to experience the word. Experience its truth and experience the one who gives us the truth. Now that's an altogether different experience of delighting in the word of God. This is more than just mining it for little truths that we can apply in our lives or, or, or hide in our hearts. These are the moments when in musing on the word of God, we experience it to be true. And we experience God in that moment, in his word, in our musing. We muse and we experience both the truth and the truth giver. The, the word doesn't just reveal things about God, but it leads you to God, to encounter him, to commune with him, to sit with him, to receive from him in that moment, soaking in the word of God, communing with him. And it's that dynamic of the word and the spirit present in a moment the Spirit bringing that word to life, bringing that word to life in us and for us. And we encounter its truth and we encounter God for a moment. Psalm 119 again, verse 28. My soul is weary with sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. And the word of God is, the reason we delight in it is, it is because it presents a moment of encounter and experience of the Lord and the truth of his word. And I've told you this before, but there are times where I'm taking people through this where, where I might just fasten on one phrase that's in the Bible and say, let's just sit with that word until we begin to experience its truth. Not rushing away onto the, the rest of the verse, but just experiencing its truth all over again. My favorite one, the Lord is good. His love endures forever. And sometimes I just sit musing on that, entering it, inviting the Spirit to come and make that a moment of reality. And in that musing, I encounter not only its truth, but the Lord himself. That's what the word of God holds for us. So let me go to another psalm. Psalm 86. And these words are not on the screen. I don't think I asked for them anyway. Just to let you maybe soak for a minute in the word of God. You, Lord, are forgiving and good. Huh. You, Lord, you're forgiving 
and good. You're abounding in love to all who call on you. Man, there's a whole load after that. See if you just sat with that for a while and invited the Spirit, invited God to minister its truth, and you began to experience its truth. That's the gem. That's the delight. When its truth comes to life and is in a moment with God. Hear my prayer, Lord. Listen to my cry for mercy. When I am in distress, I call to you because you answer me. And you could just sit with those two verses and invite God to make this real for you. The musing on the word until we experience not only its reality, its truth, but experience the Lord himself. That's my meme. We mine the word of God. There is a discipline in this, friends. Mining the word of God to extract the gems that we need to strengthen our life. But then there's also the musing over the word of God. The taking it slowly until we experience its truth and the truth giver. As we muse and meditate on the word of God. That's the two sides of meditation. Mining musing, extracting, experiencing. Let me return to where we started as we finish. The Apostle Paul uses the image of an athlete in training, committed and disciplined, in order to gain the benefits and the rewards of that work. And there are times, of course, when we have to wrestle to find the time and the space to discipline ourselves so that we can feed ourselves. So we can feed ourselves in the word of God and allow him to feed us there. We might have to wrestle for it. I understand that. But the rewards, the benefits of it, the delight of it, the strength of it, as God ministers to us, strengthening it, that's what we need. And we might get a bit of it on a Sunday, but it's a daily walk. Feeding ourselves by entering the word of God and giving space and moments for God to feed us as we seek him. The word of God strengthens us to live in the world that we live in, having had God minister to us from his word. And though at times it might be difficult to fight for that and to discipline ourselves, let's not lose sight. That's why I wanted to focus on the word delight and all the benefits of the word of God. Let's not lose sight of the gift of grace that is given to us in the word of God. For we cannot live on bread alone but on that which comes from the mouth of God. The bread, the manna, the food of Scripture. We need it. You need it. 
feed yourself on it. Get into it. Mine it and extract. Muse on it and experience. And let God minister to you through it. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up as we have a last comment. In Exodus chapter 16, the people of God are wandering in the desert. They're moaning and complaining. That's not unusual in those passages in Exodus. It might not be unusual generally for the people of God, but that's what was happening in Exodus 16. And they were complaining about the, the food. Wouldn't it be better to be back in Egypt because we don't have food? And God is providing for them manna, bread from heaven. And if you've never read that passage before, you will understand, uh, then you need to understand one thing about what God says about that manna. He gives that manna for a day. And if you tried to hoard that manna till tomorrow, it went off. You, you had to find fresh manna for the day. There's something about that, about the word of God. But whatever... Whatever you came to yesterday with manna from God through the word, it's likely that he wants to say something fresh and new to you the next day. This is an everyday walk. And you're the only person who's with yourself every day. And so I want to encourage you, look for that fresh manna. Delight in it from one day to the next. Mine, extract. Muse and experience. Be blessed as you delight in the word of God and meditate on it, even day and night. Lord, there is so much that you would want to speak into our lives that would bring life to us. But also, Lord, it's the place where you meet us. And you minister to us. And you take the truth of your word and you make it real in a moment. Thank you, Lord, that is full of gems. Lord, I pray that you would release again in our lives a longing for you and a longing for your word. And that a new delight would come upon us. that our expectation would rise and our anticipation soar about those ways in which we meet you in your word. We pray in Jesus' name.